When most people think of identical twins, they imagine two people who are inseparable, two sides of the same coin. But what happens when one twin decides she's had enough of living in her sister's shadow? Jean Han wanted to become her sister, Sunny, so badly she would kill for it. I'm Chris. Thanks for watching True Crime Recaps. Sibling rivalry can be intense. If you've got brothers or sisters, you've probably dreamed about being an only child at one point or another. But how far would you go to make that fleeting thought a reality? At 3.20 in the afternoon, a 911 call came in. 22-year-old Sunny Han was hiding in her bathroom. She'd just stepped out of the shower and heard her roommate screaming for help in the living room. Hysterical, Sunny pleaded with the dispatcher to send the police. And she had no sooner ended the call when a teenage boy burst through the door, gun in hand. When he saw her holding the phone, he demanded to know who she'd been talking to. Was it the police? Thinking fast, she shook her head and prayed he wouldn't check the call log. Just then, another teenage intruder muscled his way into the small bathroom. This one held rolls of duct tape and twine. As one guy kept her frozen in place with a gun to her head, the other tied her hands and feet and wrapped the tape around and around her mouth, coming so close to covering her nostrils that she could barely breathe. When she was bound and gagged, he pushed her into the bathtub. And she'd never seen either of them before and had no idea what they wanted. But she was willing to give them anything just for the chance to live. As she sat there, shaking with fear, her roommate, 19-year-old Helen Kim, was shoved in the tub with her. Helen was also bound and gagged, but her eyes screamed the same panic and questions. What did these guys want with them? Would they live through the attack? In the next room, they could hear them rifling through their things. Then they hear sirens outside. The sound of salvation. What happened next can only be described as bizarre. Lucky, but bizarre. One of the attackers ran into the bathroom and started untying them. His hands were shaking almost as much as they were when he ripped the tape partially off their mouths. As he struggled to unravel the knots, he begged them to tell the police it was all a joke. He made a run for the door. Sonny and Helen were right behind him. The second attacker was nowhere in sight. The police were outside with their guns out. They ordered him to freeze, but instead he turned and ran back into the apartment, slamming the door behind him. Stunned, the girls let themselves be led to the curb, where they sank down on trembling legs. Now what in the name of all that is holy was that about? It's a simple question with a not-so-simple answer. To explain how we got here, we need to go back a few years. In South Korea in 1974, a young woman gave birth to identical twin girls, two little beauties carbon copies of each other, and she named them Sunny and Jean, or Gina as they called her. Now, Sunny was older by five minutes, but her childhood wasn't as happy as her name would suggest. From the hospital, she and Gina went their separate ways, Gina with their father, Sunny with their mother. They were three years old before they ever laid eyes on each other or even knew the other existed. When they were 12, they immigrated with their mother to Orange County, California, but the life they found was very different than the American dream they were hoping for. Their mother had trouble holding down a job, but eventually she found work as a cocktail waitress. Unfortunately, she also found a new hobby, gambling. And when she wasn't working, all her time and money was spent at the casino, which left her twins home alone to fend for themselves. 
Since she was the older twin, just by five minutes, but hey, older is older, Sonny appointed herself the boss. If Gina tried to assert herself, Sonny pushed back. Then Gina would push back even harder, and their arguments spiraled into violence over and over. If she was around, their mother would almost always take Sonny's side. To say their family dynamic was complicated would be an understatement. When they turned 16, life changed again. By that point, their mother had faced the fact that she didn't have the time, money, or patience to take care of the girls. So she sent them south to live with their aunt and uncle in Campo. Now, Campo is a peaceful, friendly little town about an hour outside of San Diego, and the girls blossomed there. One was rarely seen without the other, and they looked so much alike, they had to change their hair so people could tell them apart. They were even named co-valedictorians, but it was Sonny who won a full ride to college. Gina, on the other hand, decided to join the Air Force, and she was shipped off to basic training in Texas. It didn't take long for her to realize she'd made a terrible mistake. You know that trapped, panicky feeling? You would do anything to set yourself free? Well, that's where she was. These were the days of don't ask, don't tell laws about homosexuality in the military. And let's just say Gina told. Now, she wasn't actually gay. She just wanted out. When they let her go, she went back to Southern California and followed in the footsteps of their mother. Fresh out of the military, she found work as a blackjack dealer, a job that quickly spiraled into a gambling addiction. To support her habit and bail herself out of mounting debts, she started stealing from friends and family, taking valuables, cash, and forging checks, all of which landed her in jail. Meanwhile, a couple of hours north, Sonny was dealing with her own mess. College life had proved to be more difficult than she thought, and she flunked out. These are the moments when family comes in handy. Someone biologically destined to commiserate with can be pretty nice to have. But the twins weren't talking to each other much, and when they did chat, well, they weren't exactly having any heart-to-heart conversations. Neither of them knew exactly what was going on with the other. To Gina, Sonny's life sounded pretty amazing. She drove a BMW, she wore designer clothes, and she talked a lot about her amazing social life. But... In reality, she was living with roommates and barely making ends meet as a receptionist. And Gina was behind bars. And she only served about 10 days, but when she got out, she realized she'd burned every bridge she had in town. What she needed was a change of scenery. So, she moved to Orange County to live with Sonny. It was a good idea with bad consequences. The twins couldn't get along. It was like they reverted all the way back to their preteen years when their arguments led to bloodshed. But as adults, things were so much worse. In May 1996, the police showed up at their door. And Gina was technically not supposed to be there. She was supposed to be on probation for three years down south. So she fully expected to be arrested. But much to her surprise, it wasn't her the cops put in handcuffs. It was Sunny. As it turned out, her twin had an outstanding warrant. It seems that answering phones didn't bring in the kind of money Sunny needed to support the lifestyle she wanted to become accustomed to. And she figured one of her rich friends wouldn't mind if she took her credit card for a spin. And the grand total? $1,300. Her friend definitely wasn't pleased. So as Gina looked on in shock, Sunny was carted off to jail. 
vowing to throw Gina out of her apartment as soon as she was released. And what's that saying? While the cat's away, the mice will play? While Sonny was behind bars, Gina helped herself to her twin's ID, her BMW, her credit cards, and her bank account. But the party didn't last long. When Sonny got out of jail, she was furious. Gina refused to pay her back the money she stole, so she had her arrested for fraud. And since Gina already skipped out on her probation, she ended up with six months in prison. But she found a loophole. After a few months of good behavior, the courts granted her a work furlough. So for about five hours every day, she was free to come and go. But one day, she didn't come back. You see, while she was in jail, her bitterness toward her twin bubbled until it boiled over. While she sat in her tiny cell, she obsessed about the way fate seemed to smile on her sister, while her own life was in the crapper. It wasn't fair. She was just as smart, pretty, and talented as Sunny. Why shouldn't she be the one with the nice car and the clothes and the apartment? So, she decided to take it. She headed south back toward her old stomping grounds near San Diego. That's where she met 16-year-old Archie Bryant and his pal, 15-year-old Jonathan Sayerath. They were introduced to each other through a mutual friend, and Archie took a shine to Gina. On November 6, 1996, she asked Archie and Jonathan if they wanted to take a ride up to Irvine. She told them she needed to get her things from her sister's apartment, and she was willing to pay them $100 each for their help. The idea of adventure and some cash was hard to resist, so they hopped in her rented blue Mustang. And before they got to her sister's place, Gina stopped at a grocery store. She wasn't picking up a bouquet of flowers or a bottle of wine to take to her sister. The only things in her basket were tape, twine, and a potato. And they had another stop to make on the way. Days earlier, Gina convinced Archie to help her get a gun and he managed to find a friend who had a pistol to sell her cheap. He had no idea what a mistake that favor would turn out to be. With the gun in her glove box and the potato in a grocery bag, Gina asked him if he wanted to try something cool. What teenager is going to turn that kind of offer down? So, they went out to an isolated park, and she handed him the gun with the potato stuck on the muzzle as a kind of a silencer. He fired it out the window not noticing the single shell dropped to the passenger side floorboard. As they drove toward Sonny's apartment, Gina casually asked them if they had any interest in killing her sister. They didn't. They definitely didn't. But that answer didn't go over so well. Gina freaked out. So now they were getting scared for their own lives. After all, the gun was right there in the car. So they pretended to go along with the idea, if only to save themselves from a bullet in the head. And Gina had it all worked out. While she waited in the car, they would knock on the door pretending to sell magazines. And lots of teenagers do stuff like that to earn money for school activities, so they wouldn't stick out. If her sister answered, they were supposed to force their way in, tie and tape her up, then come get Gina. They even stopped to pick up some magazines to make it look legit. What they didn't know was that Gina also had trash bags and pine saw in the car. In this situation, cleaning supplies are never a good sign. It was showtime. But when Archie knocked on the door, Helen answered, and she wasn't interested in buying any magazines. So the three of them went to grab a bite to eat before they gave it another try. 
At three o'clock, they were back on Sonny's doorstep, knock, knock, knocking, and once again, Helen opened up. But this time, before she could shut the door, Jonathan and Archie forced their way in. They got Helen tied up, but seeing as how it was their first home invasion, they didn't tie the knots tight enough, and she managed to set herself free. Unfortunately, she didn't make it out the door before she was tackled. But when they got a good look at her, they realized this wasn't the girl they were there for. Gina told them her sister looked like her, so they went in search of Sonny, who, as you already know, was hiding in the bathroom calling for help. Identical twins are pretty rare, and the Irvine police certainly weren't expecting a twist like that. As one officer was running into the apartment after Archie, another officer was dealing with Sonny and Helen, and yet another officer was questioning Gina and Jonathan in the blue Mustang next to the building. Nothing to see here, officer. She told him her name was Sonny Han, and they were just there visiting. He waved them off, and they burned rubber back to San Diego. Within the hour, Archie was confessing everything, although they already realized something weird was going on when the officer noticed the victim had the same face as the woman he had just said goodbye to. Gina and Jonathan figured they could make it to Mexico before the cops caught up to them, and they might have if they hadn't made a couple of stops first. She still had her sister's ID, so she swung by the bank to make a withdrawal. About $5,000 of her sister's money. Then they stopped at a car dealership to try and buy a car to replace the Mustang. But the deal didn't go through. It was going to take more hours than they had, so they decided to switch out their rental for a new one at the San Diego airport. But Gina's obsession with her sister tripped her up in the end. She told so many people that she wanted her dead that it didn't take long for one of them to tip off the police. So by the time they got to the car rental place, the police were there waiting for them. And if they needed any more proof, they had the shell from the gun found in Sonny's apartment. Case closed. The detectives dubbed Gina the evil twin and Sonny the good one, which was pretty much exactly what Gina was so pissed about in the first place. So how's that for irony? But in the end, it wasn't quite as simple as that. Gina spent her time in prison changing her circumstances. She studied. She got a degree. She did a little self-reflection. Although she always maintained she was never really going to kill Sonny. And she mended her relationships with her mother and aunt and uncle. By 2018, she was out on parole. Unfortunately, her sister wasn't doing as well. She was dabbling in sex work, getting deeper into that lifestyle. And today, the exact whereabouts of the twins is unclear. As for Gina's unwitting accomplices, Archie served 14 years and Jonathan served four. And I doubt either one of them is quite so willing to help someone move these days. And that's your recap. Thanks for hanging out with us today, but don't go anywhere. There's more recaps where this came from. And if you like getting all the crime in half the time, please remember to subscribe so you never miss a story. We're here every Wednesday. Until next time, take care.